And Bertrand Russell challenges us to analyze mathematics, not just as a study of increasingly complex principles applied to numerical data, but also the logical dissection of the axioms on which those principles stand. Uh, consider the eons of civilization required to recognize a pair of sheep and a passing couple, uh, a couple of days. Uh, examples of the uh, number. Uh, okay, they're gone. Welcome to Video High, your B-movie education. Today's assignment, Steel Dawn from 1987. Before the sun rises over Steel Dawn, let's take the roll call. Jamie Kennedy? I understood just about as much of this movie as I did Dune. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Hansen? If you need to take a break from watching Mad Max so you can check on your crops in Farmville, then do I have the perfect movie for you? <laughs> God, this movie is sort of an AFK game. You're right. <laughs> Casey Regan? Uh, I loved it. Crazy for Swayze. Didn't write an opening joke. Liked the movie too much. <laughs> five stars. Yeah, five stars. Yeah. And I'm Josh Roth, and I gotta say, love this movie, but it's the most misleading title since Naked Lunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I didn't. I didn't take it's a moment to think about it... what this title even meant. You're listening to KWARZ, your one-stop station for post-apocalypse news and tunes. Looks like it's going to be another hot one in the valley, the endless desert in which we all live now. The forecast is sunny with a high of 150 and a low of negative 150. And the HQI Heroes Quest Index is high today, so watch out for Tusken Raiders, roaming Mad Max Eye, and small towns in need of a lone savior. Now for some tunes. Oh, every summer in the valley gets hotter, drier, and more full of Mad Max eye. You mean the San Fernando Valley, where we currently live? Of course! Who knew society was so fragile that a teensy little thing, like all the water drying up, would send everyone into a reverse water world? A barren biosphere? <laughs> Hold up, who's that up on that hill doing a headstand? Looks like a... Jedi? No, it can't be. I don't see any wise beeping droid sidekicks. I take it back. He's fighting sand people. He's definitely a Jedi. Wow, Josh. Sand people? Really? They prefer to be called Tusken Raiders. Oh, jeez, my bad. Hey, stranger. Nice fighting over there. I'm no stranger. That's a different Westernish movie. Just call me Nomad. That's not a name, but sure, why not? Y'all heading into town? By which I mean the one town that exists anymore in the valley? <laughs> yep. Grocery shopping really was easier pre-apocalypse. Well, I'll join you. It's dangerous to go alone, especially with such a high hero's quest index. Sad for sale. Sad for sale. Most rats on sticks. Ooh, that stand's got roast rats on sticks. I'll be right back. 
So, Nomad, what do you do for a living? Oh, I used to be a commander in the guard with the capital G <laughs> during World War with a capital W. <laughs> now I go wherever I'm needed, usually to free an oppressed town from a resource hoarding robber baron. Oh, is that what the tattoo on your abs means? Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Nomad, this kid says he knows you. Nomad, I knew you'd come back. <laughs> Oh, hey, Jux. Yeah. Ooh, I definitely meant to come see you again, and um, that's why I'm here in town. Do you know this kid? He sure does, miss. <laughs> Nomad saved my mom's moisture farm, <laughs> and he taught me how to wind race. Fucking knew he was a Jedi. That's right. A robber baron named Damnil wanted a water monopoly around these parts. Jux's mom had this plan to create a system of aqueducts from an underground spring she'd found. Damnil won it all for himself. Nomad showed up, killed all our enemies, and then he just left. And I thought you were going to stay and, uh, I don't know, be my new dad, Nomad. More like no dad. <laughs> Sorry, Jux. I, I didn't mean to ghost you. I had the time of my life with you and your mom. <laughs> But after she and I did our fair share of, well, dirty dancing, we reached a point of breaking. Huh, weird way to phrase that. The dad life just isn't in the cards for a desert ronin like me. There are dozens more roadhouses for me to bring peace to through violence. Now you run back to your mother and tell her, well, tell her everything's all right, and there aren't any more damn nils in the valley. This feels very familiar. Yeah, it all makes me want to rewatch The Stranger. No, another Western. Juxy, take care of them. Both of them. Bye, little Jux. Very familiar, and I can't quite put my finger on. Shane! Shane! I mean, the Nomad! Don't come back, Nomad! Maybe I'll think of it later. <laughs> We should have compared notes because uh, I stole all your jokes <laughs> in my uh, Act 1 synopsis. Is <laughs> it stealing fun. if we both came that's up with fair. them? I mean, is it stealing when the movie is just the plot of Shane, but set in Mad Max world? <laughs> in that case, I think yes. Out of the ruins of a nuclear war, through a landscape of unearthly beauty and unknown terrors, and into a world struggling against the forces of nature and the forces of evil. I am the authority in this planet. A legend is born. You shouldn't play with sharp objects. The legend of a man with no name and no home. You like being mysterious, don't you? Patrick Swayze is the soldier of destiny. Do you feel safe now? Yes. Steel Dawn. Legend begins. I had never heard of this movie, Shane, and then Jamie pointed out to me that it was literally the same. <laughs> of this little movie, <laughs> this little, little Academy Award-winning <laughs> film. Don't know if you've heard of it. Have indie. I seen the original Mad Max? No, but I've seen <laughs> Shane. <laughs> well, I've seen the original Mad Max and haven't seen Shane. So, so together, we can come up with a plot of Steel Dawn. <laughs> I mean, to be honest. 
a fucking child could come up with the plot of Steel Dog. <laughs> Chad GPT probably came up with the plot of Steel Dog. I don't know. It would have a lot more steel and a lot more dawn if you put it into Chad GPT. It's too literal. This is more of a metaphorical steel and a metaphorical dawn. It's part of his dawn verse, right? His extended, Swayze's extended <laughs> dawn verse. If he had lived longer, we would have gotten many more dawns. <sighs> what were the other dawns? Red dawn? Oh. oh, I could have used that as a joke. <laughs> I appreciate that this movie not only stole its aesthetic from Mad Max, but also stole its composer. <laughs> it's it's yeah. the same composer? Yeah, I same did not composer. know that. That's amazing. Oh, this movie stole everything. It's wonderful. This is such a niche <laughs> comment. This comment is for no one. But there's this Mormon play that happens once a year <laughs> yes. called The Hill Camorra, where everyone does a pilgrimage to like act in this play. And the entire aesthetic and mulletitude of Patrick Swayze in this <laughs> is straight out of this like local community theater on a grand scale religious event. <laughs> Wait, I love that. Is it like a stranger comes to town sort of story? It's a bunch of white people dressed like an interpretation of biblical times in a pre mm. like in a religious apocalypse type situation. I just mean aesthetically, not the plot, just right. aesthetics. <laughs> That's true. I do love that there's this idea that the world ends and then fashion wise we'll all just go back to like 70s rock and roll christ musical yes. like that's, <laughs> what, that's, what, that's what we'll all do yep except for tark who looks who is that plus a mechanics like because he has his sh name on his shirt Did he, I, wow yes, wait i missed his shirt that said tark <laughs> also am i the only one that feels really really bad for tark I, oh. I love Tark. No. I feel oh, so bad I for him. Tark, Tark shirt gets the short end of the very pointy stick. He <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> does. And it's, uh, what's his face? From, from Blade Runner. Blade Runner, Ryan yeah. James. Ryan James. Yeah. So good. I love, he's he's so He's great. always amazing. And also, he gets to fight in this one. Usually, yeah. Usually he just either looks wild or says crazy shit. This one, he gets fight scenes, which I was like, look at this nimble 350 pounds. <laughs> Man. Yeah, <laughs> this nimble yeah. rhinoceros. He he got everything. He got to have the sad puppy dog eyes for his unrequited love situation. Yeah, he looks like a damn moldy California raisin with <laughs> sideburns. <laughs> he gets a very abridged version of a story. <laughs> this whole yes. movie is in just Brian James grunts. We're taught, I don't like you, stranger. <laughs> You're okay, stranger. <laughs> oh, they don't need me anymore. I love you, stranger. Up and stab. Help me, stranger. Help me, yeah. stranger. My other favorite thing about this, the real life love story between our two leads. Yeah, totally. Oh my God. That's so sweet. It's I love so, that. I love Love, love, love. Are you talking, are you talking about Nomad and Show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. They had a lot more scenes of on-screen penetration. Yeah. <laughs> now you took one of my jokes. Uh oh. <laughs> ah, nice. We, we, we are doing to each other what this movie <laughs> did to other movies. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But yeah, they were married from 1975 till like till he died, till basically. Till his death, yeah. Till his death. Wow. Uh, they met at <laughs> when she was 14 and he was like 18 at the dance studio that his 
dad owned and like his dad owned it that makes so yeah, much and sense. they danced together and then they got married when she was 19 so they were like they met they fell in love they got married when she was 19 and then they were together forever Aww. and then this they is got this the married. only movie they were in together no they were in they were in a couple more movies together and then he starred in that dance movie he made like the <laughs> 2000s what is it save the last save the dance final dance the last dance the last dance which yeah. she wrote and directed yes oh wow. one last dance yeah collaborators Hollywood power couple. Yeah, That's and amazing. so a part of me thought that this would be like a Spielberg and Kate Capshaw thing and that they met on this movie. But no, they were had been married for like 10, 14 years before this movie was made. Uh, so clearly it was just a pat like they just both wanted to be in it. That's adorable. <laughs> so cute. And there's something kind of great. I mean, about the movie Shane, but yeah, yes. something kind of great also <laughs> about their relationship. I feel like informed by that. If yeah. only because it's a ripoff, they have to say the subtext yes. that Shane didn't have to. And so they have lines in this movie that's like, you know, you soldiers, you think you're so invulnerable. You forget who you leave behind, like blah, blah, blah. And then he gets to say things like, you made something of yourself without a husband. You don't need one. And she can be like, that doesn't mean I don't want one. And it's like, <laughs> all of this is the subtext you'd get in a better movie yeah. without the dialogue. But in this movie, they say it. But because of their relate, it feels real. It yeah, feels it does. Mm, yeah. like, genuine. I, like, their chemistry may not be crackling on screen per se, but the sincerity is there. And that, I think, is what's sweet about it. Yeah, but also I feel like the lack of chemistry, that is kind of part of the Swayze magic, right? (laughs) (laughs) He's both dripping in charisma and also like meeting you, shaking your hand at a party while like looking over your shoulder at whoever's (laughs) behind you, right? Like it's like he can ride that line. Yeah. yeah. I I love it. (laughs) Howdy, y'all. My name's Joey Starrett. You may remember me from the movie Shane. I was the little boy who watched a mysterious stranger come to town, slightly romance my mother, rally our frontier community against the capitalist barons who had tried to move in in our homesteads with the help of rogues and henchmen, and then one day left us mortally wounded after killing our enemies, all while I yelled, Shane, come back, Shane! For some reason, I go to Video High now, and I just thought that was all a good introduction in my, on my life experiences before I jump into the Act 1 synopsis for today's movie. Joey always tells the same story. <laughs> He's a we cool all know guy, it. but it's all, we all know it. We begin by panning across Tatooine, where Patrick Swayze is doing handstands, which is just about as good a beginning as you can hope for in this life. It's all very zen until Tusken Raiders start digging themselves out of the sand surrounding him, looking to pick a fight. But you don't pick a fight with Swayze, no sir. They try to drag him under the sand, but he's got a cool apocalypse sword and slices off one of their hands. He fights the whole tribe off single-handedly. Literally. And (laughs) stabs into the sand, and brown blood starts to bubble up. Hot damn! But just another day on the frontier, I guess. Swayze continues on his way through the canyons of this wasteland, and another swordsman gets the drop on him. You used to be faster, says mysterious man number two. You used to have more hair, says mysterious man number one. This new man is called Cord, and they go way back. To the saloon, they go to catch up. Cord was been. Cord has been called. Stupid. <laughs> 
<laughs> Gord has been called to be a peacemaker in a town called Meridian. He encourages Swayze, and yes, I do just call him Swayze through this entire synopsis because he has no other name, to move on from his trauma-filled wasteland life and join him in the new town. But while lore dumping, Swayze is drugged and surrounded by bad men who have to come to make sure Cord never makes it to Meridian. It's high noon and White Rufio has strolled into the saloon to fight Cord one-on-one. A snaky knee dagger takes Cord down and Swayze washes helplessly from the floor as his mentor is brutally murdered. He lays Cord to rest on a funeral pyre and takes off towards Meridian to fulfill his mentor's duties. Now, what would a Western be without man's best friend? So a German shepherd enters the picture on this journey. Who's a good boy? He's a good boy. He'll have little consequence to the rest of the action, but damn if he isn't my favorite character. Swayze makes it to Meridian, where on the outskirts, a sun-bleached woman lives with her son, Jux, and her manservant, Leon, from Blade Runner. His name is actually Tark. Kasha, that's Kasha with an A, not Kesha with a dollar sign, offers Swayze water. <laughs> offers Swayze water and in quick succession, a place to stay in return for labor. Tark warns him not to make any trouble in Kasha's place and also maybe don't make any moves on Kasha because he's top dog in the unrequited love department. <laughs> Swayze forms a bond with young Jux who has very few needs in his life. Just wants a father figure to help him build a wind racer and to teach him how to fight. Swayze knew his father in the war and promises to fill the role of father figure if Jux continues to give him such advanced gardening lessons as don't plant things upside down or too close together. <laughs> the Kasha homestead drives out that evening to a gathering of the whole town halfway through a speech that I kid you not summarizes as make this land live again. Earlier, Kasha had received a missive from the city which she relays to the township. A peacemaker is being sent to their valley to help them with their disputes. Everyone celebrates except for Swayze, who happens to know that the peacemaker in question is currently ash in the desert. The evil robber baron of the valley, Damnil, rides up. Kasha says his time of terrorizing the valley is over once the peacemaker arrives, but he knows that ain't gonna happen. He's gonna remain the authority in the valley, whether the people like it or not. He'll damn nil kill everyone if he has to. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> we cut to a market slash caravan where townsfolk sell their wares. Imhotep and other henchmen of Damnil try to go Tark into fighting them, which they succeed at because Tark has a temper when it comes to protecting Cash's honor. Jux gets in on the action because you can't get a precocious young apocalypse child down, but only when Swayze enters does the tide turn. He fights them all off, which makes Cash a suspicious horny. She and Tark <laughs> investigates his belongings and find his murderer's row of weapons. But his apocalypse sword is familiar to Kasha because her husband had a similar one. She tells Tark not to kill him yet, but she will confiscate his sword in the meanwhile. Jux asks Swayze to teach him how to fight, but Swayze says before he can do that, he needs to learn to meditate. When you can master a handstand, I'll teach you to fight, says Mr. Miyagi. That night, Swayze is tormented by two things. Nightmares of his past, unseen by the audience, and nightmares <laughs> of his present, actually seen by the audience. Raiders are trying to sabotage the homestead's wind racer, but Swayze hogties them and pretends to go back to sleep. For the second time in one day, he's proven himself loyal to Kasha, and this might be the start of a beautiful friendship. Yeehaw! <laughs> 
So that Lionsgate logo came up for us, and I was like, oh, we fancy now. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> oh, they, I mean. They just distributed it. They just own it. They don't. Lionsgate wasn't even a glint in his father's eyes. <laughs> At this I, point. I don't know. At the end of the movie, it says "All Silver Lion Production." I gotta assume <laughs> lions gate gates are metal. Silver, Silver is, a is metal. a kind of metal. Steel Dawn. Steel Dawn. <laughs> Steel. <laughs> Yeah, Lionsgate in this is basically the Disney vault. Steel Dawn is going back behind the Lionsgate. (laughs) Your last chance to own this classic. Yeah, I mean, that's it. The Disney vault is damn Neil. The Disney vault is damn Neil. We've sort of been living now in Cash's fantasy. She was also trying to stream things into everyone's house. (laughs) This movie's got layers. Ahead of its time. Ahead of its time in that Patrick Swayze was already top of his game, just, you know, bottom of the barrel in terms of (laughs) movie choice abilities. But he's, he's, yeah, out the gate. You're like, yeah, that's a movie star right there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You see him doing a headstand in the middle of the fucking desert and then kicking a bunch of ass. And I was like, okay, this is a movie. Yeah, the movie promised in the first 15 minutes of this movie is significantly more interesting than it's the rip off yeah it's, it's star, star wars, wars. It promises like, yeah, he's star got wars. this like mentor who's uh who's been training people to fight and is now retiring and he's encouraging him to take up the mantle and we learned about a war that we're never gonna know anything about well, <laughs> to be fair this isn't star wars unless in your version of the world uh star wars is uh going around with obi-wan and then there's a more powerful obi-wan that gets killed early <laughs> right 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 <laughs> at least the first 15 minutes it plays a lot closer to like a lone wolf and cub. Yeah, no, which yeah, that's yeah. true. Very excited for. And like all of the interesting stuff is ha- like the the best filming locations happen in these first this this first half act oh where my like God. the ship in the desert that they just shot at and like tells you everything you need to know about this world without them paying any money because it just exists. That was incredible. He, he walks by that one tree you see in every National Geographic thing <laughs> about the desert. There's a great one-two punch where he finds a snake missing its head and then comes across a dead guy with a snake's head on his leg. And he's like, all of this, this is amazing. The Fremen he fights in the first scene. (laughs) (laughs) That that just totally are gone from the movie. I know. There is this whole sci-fi adventure universe that's hinted at us we've got a dune scene to begin with Mm -hmm. he walks through a mad max world ends (laughs) up at most eisley (laughs) his friend mentor whatever is killed at the beginning and he vows vengeance right Mm -hmm. and he has to leave the movie like this is a real like no i i I, my whole focus now is to walk away (laughs) even a boy and his dog walks up to me he's like hey dog no time though i got got business I got a vengeance. It's a movie that I'm 75% bummed about. And and, yeah, yeah. Ooh, okay. and it's not because it's bad. It's because I would describe it as extremely milk toast mm-hmm. in that like it starts off strong and then it's 1987, y'all. Like we've been doing the post-apocalyptic <laughs> thing for a decade. And they went like, do we make it serious and like really cool and really thoughtful? Do we make it weird and really off the wall? They go, 
let's kind of do neither. <laughs> what if we just make a really competent but slightly boring version yeah. of a better movie? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's out within our budget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's do, fair. Let's do the typewriter equivalent of Apple F and just replace everything in Shane with these other characters. What? <laughs> Whoa, what if the movie was about this post-apocalyptic landscape, but it was just sort of about like the normal people just living in the yeah. post-apocalyptic landscape and someone was like oh and then they go on an adventure and they're like no no. <laughs> <laughs> no they kind of just learn irrigation yeah. oh okay <laughs> peacemaker is a respectable job you should try it how long do you intend to live out in the wastelands it's my home What happened to Regent and Loria wasn't your fault. We've all lost families because of the war. You have to let go. The wasteland suits me fine. So where's Meridian? I've never heard of it. It's a small settlement to the east. They're having disputes over water rights. Why you? Why not send the enforcers? Because the council didn't deem it big enough for the enforcers. And I have a personal interest in Meridian. They tell you just enough about Swayze's backstory that I'm intrigued. I'm like, who's Gretchen and Gloria? What happened to them? You'll never know. Like, even when he's, like, connecting with Kasha in a way that you usually don't see strangers happen in this movie. Like, he never goes in like, oh, well, there was this time when these two people. No, we, <laughs> let, we get that one throwaway line from Cord, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I wrote in my notes. Uh, a lot of lore is being left on the table yeah. and I'm okay with it. <laughs> and I stand by that statement. Yeah, I think you need to enjoy this movie to get lost in Patrick Swayze's eyes. <laughs> he is cool and handsome enough that you watch a bunch of the movie and then realize what you missed after the fact. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of awesome. He walks through looking badass, kicking people's ass. He's Patrick Swayze. That's awesome. And then you're like, wait a minute, why is he there? Whatever. <laughs> Whatever, we're 30 minutes in. I don't care anymore. I'm not, what am I going to do? Stop watching it? <laughs> so Patrick Swayze meets up with his old mentor. They go to a bar. He gets drugged. Yeah. So many times do our villains leave our Swayze just knocked out there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and they're like, we'll deal with him later. Uh, he'll keep. And we meet this <laughs> ominous silent man who, like, takes out Cord in one go. I cannot stress enough how much I did not expect what his actual voice would be later after this opening yeah. scene. It was oh the most God, shocking yeah. reveal. The fucking front man from Winger walks in. <laughs> <laughs> Grizzled, blades everywhere. Yeah, He's got every blades coming out of all nooks and crannies of his body. Yes. Yeah. And he like takes down this who we've established to be a legendary both fighter and teacher of fighting. Right. He's been summoned to be a peacemaker, so clearly he's the best of the best. And this guy just like takes him out, and he doesn't say anything. He looks like <laughs> Tina Turner's hair on John Voight's body. <laughs> <laughs> no, he yes. looks like a spirit Halloween version of David Bowie, Zaggy Star stuff. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Totally. He's one of the guys that, like, is just sitting there wrapped listening while Khan is giving the, like, I'm so very quiet in space monologue. 
like he doesn't say anything and i think that's so powerful he's just like that and this is the guy that swayze is going to swear vengeance on and then the next time we see him he's like pip pip oh hello (laughs) (laughs) i'm your mortal enemy don't you know darling (laughs) like Lawrence olivier just sauntering onto the scene (laughs) i am show haven't we met before not in combat you were the vest of a guard i was a captain of the elite and now you're an assassin we all have to make a living. Bye-bye, bye-bye-bye. A duel. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be sporting to fight you without a blade in your hand. It's like, <laughs> you need my friend dead <laughs> with a knife. With a knife. <laughs> yeah, I like the idea of Lawrence of Arabia being the bad guy. <laughs> I also love that in the post-apocalypse even, we needed a campy, posh British villain, too. Like, yes. it is hilarious. You're right, Jamie, that it's like, his first line has to begin with, like, well, well, well. <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how dirty he looks. He's a bad guy, yeah. so. Are we talking show or damn nil? Because, I mean, yes. I mean both. Both, both. yes. Both. Spare some water. I'll pay. No need. Jux, go get some water, please. Not from Meridian, are you? No, ma'am. You come about the work? Maybe. Ever work on a purification farm before? Farming's a little out of my line. Still, when I have to, I can manage. What I'm offering is food and shelter. Sounds good. There's a little bit. I mean, A, Anakin Skywalker appears in this movie. (laughs) Shortly after, Patrick Swayze, looking like he does, which is to say, looking like everybody else in this movie, (laughs) basically all of the members of Leonard Skinner who survived the plane crash. (laughs) There's a bit where, like, the folks working at the purification farm watch him walking up out of the desert and go, what the hell is that? Motherfucker, that's how y'all get around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. There's only five things here. Like, yeah, it's a guy in leather and rags. It's you, you yeah. with a jawline. Yeah. <laughs> a cute heckin' doggo shows up, which is awesome, and then leaves the movie for yeah. a while. Yeah, it's so long. It's just a bummer. I don't know. There's I no wanted that dog to, to stay. Yeah, I expected that dog to at least come jump on some bad guy at some point, right? Yeah, and just go around, around, around. around with yeah. some guy's nuts. He does right. later, but wait, does it? Yeah, towards the end of the movie, the yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the, the uh-uh. fight with the uh, uh-uh. uh yeah, Ka- right. he, he saves caution. Memory yeah. not accessible. <laughs> 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 nope, sorry. <laughs> Can I ask you guys when? Swayze walks up and Kash is like, hey, stranger, you're a stranger. We don't get a lot of strangers <laughs> around here. Want to stay forever? <laughs> He's like, well, all right. He looks up at like a pyramid looking thing. Oh, you know what? 
it could have been oh the cap the same signal maybe the it was tattoo? the cap yeah, like the a tattoo. sigil oh, brand on his chest yeah the brand on his chest was like a pyramid with a yeah. thing it, in the it center it was vaguely triangle shaped apart from that I okay, no, no, didn't no. really I'll get it I'll buy that I'll buy that maybe he saw the same symbol and that's why he decided to stay because he knew that makes sense her husband it's just weird to not make that a flag y- right yeah. like yes, something yes. that would read to like mm, humans yes. as oh that's a symbol I know and agree or, or even, like did, I don't even know if we've seen the symbol before that point in the movie or had a good look at it at least because it's just like in his abdomen yeah no I feel like we don't see it till he's getting into his bath yeah till like later I feel like that's our first yeah yeah hint. yeah that's like showing you the sled in the beginning of the movie and not mentioning Rosebud until the end. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. It was the sled. Oh, here's a sled. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That is meaning that I understand. I thought scud rats only came out at night. <laughs> You're a big, fat, slimy pig. <laughs> you tried it for both of me. will have to do better than that. Your mistress is a whore. Yeah. Let's get him. Yeah. No. Hold it. My meat. Patrick Swayze's beat up a bunch of Tuscan Raiders at the beginning, and we know that he's been trained by a guy we were told not shown that he was a great <laughs> fighter, and then showed by show that he is killed. <laughs> <laughs> like, we know he's going to be the major ass kicker, but I'm glad that the second banana got a, his time under the sun in terms yeah. of like movie badassery. Yeah, right? yeah. This this farm has been in good hands with him, and I like that they like bring that up at the end too. Like, oh, it's not going to be the same here without Tark. Like, he's not a punchline. Yeah, that's like true. even when he goes off to like drink his sorrows away. Like, he's still like a good person. Honorable. I'm glad that he didn't become a turncoat. I oh yeah. Yes. yeah, and like go to work for that, go to work for <laughs> yeah. damn nil, and like yeah, I'm yeah. glad that he dies virtuous. Yes, yes, uh, and drunk, he just, but yeah, virtuous. Drunk. And like he even ran away. Vir- like he's just like, there's no place for me here. <laughs> Gonna go drink my sorrows away. But he he was loyal to a father. <laughs> yeah. He's a drama queen, definitely, yeah. but dev- but loyal, but well intentioned. Yeah. yeah. That's that's maybe the problem with this movie actually is everyone in this movie villains included are very balanced. They are. Yeah. <laughs> everyone yeah. in this movie really yeah. understands everyone else's motivations. Yep. <laughs> maybe they have, you know, some moments of uh emotion take them over, but on the whole they kind of they kind of get everybody well adjusted <laughs> yeah very well adjusted <laughs> this whole apocalypse is on lithium the, yeah. all of them well when the world ends your things come into perspective you know you, you learn to sweat less of the small stuff if you're sweating all the time you gotta sweat the small stuff less <laughs> so much sweat otherwise I think really the biggest issue with the movie is the direction by Lance Hool is just very lethargic oh yeah it's paced well, it's like, like an old western. Yes, yeah. that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, but those movies were long. Like I think if this movie was a, actually like two hours and we like just got a little bit more meat, but because it's so lean, mm-hmm. but it's still like, well, we have to watch him walking across the desert. How would we know where he, how he gets there? <laughs> we, we have to know about the the irrigation and the aqueduct uh, <laughs> like stuff. 
Otherwise, what's the plan? It's like mutants, though. Mutants. <laughs> yeah. Mutants. yeah. Whatever it came crawling out of the sand. Just send some stuff up out of the sand again. Oh, I know. That would have been cool if, like, oh, my God, Damnil hired the Tuscan Raiders to oh. attack. Like, like he's got them on his side now, but, like, they're two separate worlds. I mean, Horde called the Wasteland, so I guess one can assume those two worlds don't mix, but I could have used a little bit more mixing. Yeah, but also, like, they refer to the town of Meridian, which, is that just Kasha's? Nobody knows. Is that just Impossible Kasha's moisture farm? Like, it's, <laughs> it seems it's, like it's, it's just her I, farm. No, I think it's everyone that was at the, the Trump speech in the middle of the desert. So it's just, like, yeah, five yeah. Are you talking about? Are you talking about the can you dig it? Yeah, uh, yeah the can you dig it scene. Yeah, it's like five farms, yeah. Yeah, the fucking Iowa caucus they had yeah. in the middle of the Thunderdome. <laughs> you know this movie was missing? A Thunderdome. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I would have settled for a lightning check. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a low-pressure hutch. <laughs> 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 Instead, we just have the moisture farm. The moisture yeah. farm, yeah. yeah. That's true. They replaced Thunderdome yeah. with moisture farm. We got what we deserve. You know, yeah. that's yeah. a downgrade. Yeah. That's a downgrade. Yeah. Anyway, you slice it. The only other thing we know about Meridian, we know it's a huge population for Wasteland numbers, at least. You <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And then she, said, she tells him that damn Neil's camp or farm or whatever is five miles away which feels like nothing in wasteland yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're basically next door neighbors. you could shout to them like <laughs> yeah. i mean that that gives you a sense of how slow those wind races <laughs> i have just received a letter from the council of the order a peacemaker has been appointed to this settlement The days of fear are over. Now we can farm our land. Seems I arrived just in time for a speech. That's damn nil. It's just as well you're here, damn nil. The peacemaker's arrival is more significant to you than the rest of us. Ah, yes, peacemaker. I've known about that appointment for some time. No one would be happier to see a peacemaker than I would. I'm a law-abiding citizen. There's a lot of dangerous land between here and the city. Anything could happen to a peacemaker on the road these days. Until he arrives, I am the authority in this valley. This movie's like if Bernie Sanders wrote an apocalypse movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this movie's Al Gore's fucking nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it puts the sand in Bernie Sanders. (laughs) Unfortunately, it doesn't put the gore in Al Gore. (laughs) I am once again asking, can we talk about irrigation techniques? (laughs) Buckets and buckets of water are going... To the top percent of the wastelanders. <laughs> the rest of us are left high and dry. <laughs> There's a spring underground with endless resources that we have to focus our money and time on making research for. It's my blue new deal. <laughs> Bernie Sanders outside Kasha's camp in an S&M outfit with a hockey mask going, just walk away. <laughs> You leave, you leave the gasoline, and you just walk away. <laughs> Nobody has to die today. 
<laughs> in addition to everything, this movie is biting political satire. <laughs> no, but it does. You're right. It does present a very sensible post upon <laughs> Very No, even Dam Neil is like, he's a villain. But his motivation is like, I'm running out of water. Yes. And, and also he's like, I'll leave you guys alone if the legal peacemaker can find <laughs> his way to this town. But until yeah. that time, I guess I still run this place. <laughs> I will bow to the law at yeah. a certain point. But the, law has to work, the law has to work within the strictures that we set up. <laughs> we can't just go about disregarding how the law is. You know, I would pack the courts if I could. <laughs> but but you we know. gotta wait for the peacemaker to get here. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> precedent is what's important. Yeah. Precedent. <laughs> what is the word? Come on, there's a word that people like that love that means like the thing as um, it's always been. Yeah. Uh, Supreme Court stupidity. bullshit. <laughs> oh, no, Jamie, don't Google that. <laughs> institutions. The institutions. Damn Neil believed in the institutions of the post-apocalypse. Yeah. Above all which, else. Which also, they do <laughs> establish that there is some kind of government yes. still. Like, there's a city that sends representatives. No, there's a lot going there's on. so much happening. It's just yes. not in not Meridian. Not in the movie. Just <laughs> yeah, not, not in the movie. movie. You know, yeah, I do love it. My favorite little bit of the whole damn movie was after damn Neil kind of gives his, like, no, I win, y'all are mine, I'm the bad guy, yuck, yuck, yuck. Then he, like... <laughs> Has his goons knock over a barrel fire yes. in the desert yeah. into the sand, just yeah. like just like a responsible way of putting out a campfire, pretty much. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like that didn't land the way. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like there. My reaction to a lot of things in this movie were that didn't really land the way you wanted it to. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's because of that. I think maybe specifically because of that moment. At no point does it ever feel. Not that in a movie like this, it ever totally does, but it never even comes close to feeling like damn Neil's going to win in the end. No. <laughs> yes. Not even, not yes. even a little bit. That's true. Yeah. Like, even later, like, the biggest card he pulls is like, hey, slit that child's throat. And then as soon as she tells him what he needs to know, like, he could have still been villain and been like, okay, now kill them both. And he's just like, Yes, okay, you're good. <laughs> no, fair, fair. Even-handed. Even-handed villain. <laughs> See, was that so hard? You tell me what I want to know. I don't kill you. All right, live your life. Yeah. <laughs> so, wait, so damn Neil, I recognize him from The Matrix, but he he's, I feel like he's one of those guys that's in a bunch of stuff whose face I just sort of have seen a hundred times. Yeah, he was in Omega Man. He was in Cool oh, Hand Luke, okay. License to Kill. I think he is just one of those... British faces, but he is from Long Beach, California. He's not actually British. <laughs> Damn, Nils from Long Beach. He's got a mid Pacific accent. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. It's a yeah. really good. <laughs> That's a really good one. Thanks. It's so out. simple. It's so simple. Uh, hello, students. This is your janitor. My name is Mark. <laughs> Brother of Targ, <laughs> I, I'm here to tell you about Act 2. For the previous night's mutant ninja turtle-like heroics, Kesha thanks the mysterious The Outsiders with a bowl of her finest mush and decides to trust him. 
through a secret bookcase door, but without <laughs> books, just a lot of PVC pipes and sci-fi <laughs> junk. Kasha leads our lead into a secret tunnel and towards an underground stream of pure water. She has plans that she thought up all by herself <laughs> to build an aqueduct through all Meridian. But Swayze knows crazy, and this sounds crazy. An <laughs> irrigation system would bring people in hordes. But she's like, yeah, that's the idea, dude. We're making cities here. But Swayze is concerned. However, a never-ending water supply means finally being able to wash your ass. <laughs> so he lets his concerns and miles of ball sweat wash away in a bath, seemingly miles away from camp, because damn Neil and his goons ride up on horseback. The goons want revenge for being embarrassed earlier, but even naked and on his back, Swayze is able to embarrass Imhotep, and Serby calls them off. He's not there to kill Swayze. Swayze. He's there for the I like your stuff, work for me scene. Zerby <laughs> knows there's water in them there hills. And if Swayze will tell Zerby all about... <laughs> I'm just realizing that saying their actual last names sound way more sci-fi than using their character names. <laughs> if they have one. Oh my God. So Zerby offers a job to Swayze and says, if you work for me and tell me where the water supply is, no one gets hurt. If you don't, lots of people will get hurt. <laughs> that, that's Greg's. That didn't come off the way you thought yeah, it did. Yeah. Zerby tells him to make his decision fast. But there's chorin' to be done. <laughs> and bond building with his new surrogate family, including Tark, my brother, who now looks at him and nods and goes, <laughs> Which, if you knew Tark, is a really big deal, like huge. But even more importantly, there's fucking to do. Because while Tark and the rest of the camp are getting flat out drunk, Kasha meets outside with Swayze and goes, it's been so long since I felt safe. And then Swayze's like, you feel safe? And Kasha's like, yeah. And Swayze's like, yeah. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, mm -hmm. and she's like, mm -hmm. and he's like, oh, but while Swayze and Kasha are making sweet, sweet love and getting sand up into deep, deep places. <laughs> Shadowy figures sneak into camp. The next day, Swayze and Kasha wake up to find the filter or mill or gear or, I don't know, something, something that's important to whatever they do on the farm has been destroyed by Damn Neil's men. So the outlaw, formerly known as Swayze, comes up with a plan. <laughs> He travels the whole five miles to Damn Neil's camp, which totally means that, like, when they set up the aqueduct system, Damn Neil would absolutely benefit. <laughs> like, maybe more than anyone, right? Swayze and Tark head over to Damn Neil's camp, which is like the end set piece from eight and a half, but, like, making lava professionally at the same time. It's filled with people. Tark! just wants to kill him and scatter the body parts. But Swayze tells him you gotta go a little Metal Gear Solid with it. <laughs> they sneak into camp, first grab some food and gratuitous nudity, then knock out the guards and steal a pump or 
tube or uh, <laughs> really don't know <laughs> and load it onto the back of a tractor. But again, if you'll remember from an earlier scene, damn Neil's goons love tractors. <laughs> if they see one just sitting there, ooh, they gotta have it. Our goons from the beginning get on the tractor loaded with the, the thing we want and a Tark who is cape fearing underneath and they drive away. And Swayze catches them on foot, beats the shit out of everyone, and rides the cart back to Kasha's camp. The next morning, having installed the post-apocalyptic Brita filter, back onto Kasha's place, the camp cheer, and Swayze gets all the credit. Looks like there's no room for dark anymore. So he leaves sadly in the middle of the night. But Swayze and Jucks go to town the next day, and they find him in the first place we walk into. <laughs> Tark is a drunken mess, feeling he's got nothing left to offer Kasha, Jux, or the movie. And in a lot of ways, he's absolutely right. <laughs> Before they can leave, Daniel's goons show up, now with Sho, the assassin, from the beginning, who Swayze fights to revenge his murdered master. Show, being a honorable, if not foppish, British dandy, <laughs> decides it won't be sporting to kill Swayze without a blade. So they fight with staves. <laughs> Which means poles. <laughs> I learned that in this movie. Show tries to pull the same knee knife on Swayze, barely missing him, and Swayze's knocked out by a shovel to the back of the head from the other goon. This is when my brother Tark runs in heroically and is equally heroically stabbed to death. No. R.I.P. Sho tells Swayze that the fight's not over and tells the goons to grab Jux and in maybe the saddest part of the movie. With Tark lying there dead, Swayze barely conscious and Jux kidnapped, Jux screams, Tark! Tark! Seems he was missed after all. No. R.I.P. brother. Casey, I love your commitment to playing characters at our school that are going through active mourning because people they know died in the movie we <laughs> are talking about. That's life, you know? That's life. <laughs> That's true. Video High is a very full universe. Yeah. And everyone, <laughs> but everyone's going through it. You know? <laughs> it's a universe full of people trying their best. Yep. It's true. I did love that. At the end, when Jux is being pulled away, he was like, Tark, Tark. Because, you know, Swayze didn't have a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) He didn't have have a name to yell for Swayze. But, like, he was still, like, he was worried about Tark. Yep. Calling for Tark for help, even though, you know, the better model had already shown up. Tark Tark 2.0, yes. Tark.0. Tark.0, the Comedy Central show where they <laughs> roast videos. Yeah, Tark.0 was canceled. I'm sorry. The show was canceled or the host was canceled? <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, and. Yeah, Tark.0 was just Tark meeting web celebrities and killing them and scattering their bodies across the desert. <laughs> Tark was down to murder. Yeah. And we should have listened to Tark. It's time we found out who this man is. God. I didn't think we could trust him. Aaron had a sword like that. It must have been an officer in the guard. Probably stole it. Perhaps. It's dangerous. Any way you look at it, I better kill him. No. 
didn't do anything yet. Put this in a safe place. My favorite thing is towards, yeah, at the beginning of this act, Tark goes, uh, he's dangerous any way you look at it. I better kill him. Yeah. About yeah. the main character. Like, yeah. Bill's just like, I don't know if he's bad, but just in case, I should just kill him. That's yeah. Honestly, it's a good thing to live by, I feel like, in a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, like, uh, there's no moral grays here. Just stab before they stab you. And I love that Kasha was like, Nah, nah, don't do it yet. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'd like to tap that once before we decide what we're doing with it, okay? <laughs> he, lo he looks like yeah. he used to have a wife, and she taught him some things. <laughs> this is the first man with a jawline I've seen since we lost electricity. <laughs> I have to add this line to Greg's list of that didn't land the way yes. he wanted it to. Whoever controls the water controls the valley. <laughs> Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is our yeah, big yeah. villain. Whoever talking? controls the spice controls the universe. Yeah. yeah. Whoever yeah. controls the water controls the valley. Yeah. All right. Well, the <laughs> valley sucks. I'm looking at the valley. <laughs> I don't know if valley, I want to control valley. this. No, yeah. You're, you're, you're every, welcome to the valley. Every line he says lands so like a thud. Again, yeah. the like, it worked with me. No one gets hurt. Refuse and. A lot of a lot people, of people get, hurt. get hurt. A lot of people. What would Damn Neil have used to make being a henchman for him worth their while? Right? Sex, I boobs. guess. Yeah, boobs. Like I gotta say, it's probably yeah, the, I guess the courtesans. Gotta be that. I mean, he had a big trash pile. <laughs> he did have a much bigger trash he, pile he, than most he people. Did, yeah. You he know. Did. But this isn't a trash pile measuring contest we have here. <laughs> Or is it? It might be. We don't it know. We're not really sure. You know what? You're right. You don't want to take it back. It is. Truly the only things we see in Daniel's camp is a trash pile and boobs. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it was just boob. Maybe it was boob. Like, it's like, hey, hang out with me. I, I know where the chicks are. I mean, I mean, yeah. How many women were in this movie? It was Kasha. And then it was oh my that God, scene yeah. with boobs. So those were the only women in the entire film. Yep. And Kasha seemed to be happy with Tark before Swayze. Yeah. So. <laughs> Ooh, you think? You think? Oh, I think. Oh, I, th I thought that was, I thought that yeah. that was kind of it heavily implied was that people uh, have needs casey <laughs> Tark was papa to jux but like just not a very good one <laughs> see no see that i see and maybe i'm just you're right i mean it would make sense they're you know they're two adults out there alone you know but it felt like when in the first act when tark comes up to swayze and is like Hey man, I'm the man around here. It felt like he was saying, like, hey, I I'm the one who doesn't fuck this lady, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one who doesn't have sex with this woman, so you don't not yeah. have sex with her. And Swayze's like, that's not gonna be a problem for me. <laughs> don't worry. I did have that vibe actually from the outset. Obviously, they have a friendlier, more working relationship. Better platonic Tark and Kasha. They probably realize that. But I hope they explore it. I hope they try it. Yeah. The raid of Damn Neil's camp. Eh. Very eh. Yeah, very, it was a very. Uh, eh. It was actually probably my least favorite scene I, in the I, movie. I, I zoned out. Yeah. Oh, his his sling. He get he does a sling thing. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Another Goliaths. one of these moments where you're like, well, oh, that didn't land the way yeah. you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it really seems wimpy. I was like, oh that. Oh, that was it? All right. I literally wrote Swayze does a very dramatic wind-up with a slingshot for a hilariously small beat. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like not... That's 
not your weapon either. Like <laughs> you have a future sword. Why yeah, are the you future just... sword gets locked up though for the entire movie? That's I'm gonna true. take that away and put it over here. <laughs> oh, they thought it. They thought about it. <laughs> they wrote a scene in earlier to be like, no, he can't use this till the end. <laughs> he also never questions where this sword went no. either. Like. <laughs> You know, this like semi-prized possession that's representative of his like past life. And he's like, oh, it's gone. Guess I don't have to be concerned about that. It'll come back to me when it needs to. Also (laughs) to use a like David versus Goliath weapon when our good guys on screen are easily each like two feet and 50 pounds of muscle mass bigger than everyone (laughs) else on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) They are Goliaths. There were boobs in it. So, so A plus. It was a good scene. <laughs> it was a pretty good scene. So gratuitous. So, so gratuitous. gratuitous. Except maybe, like you said, to explain what Dom Neal's hold over his yeah, that people. definitely were. explains why we hung on that shot for that long. <laughs> Just felt crazy. He slices open a tent. He peeks in. They both go, 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 whoa, boobs. And then Swayze grabs some food and then they do a comedic backup <laughs> it's like what's that what yeah. i feel like they hold on the shot even oh, after yeah. they leave frame oh yeah they're like oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah okay now we can cut hey is sorry you came to see steel dawn anymore <laughs> that's what that's what that scene in that movie in a movie like this yeah, is yeah, right yeah yeah it's for people who worth the tape rental fee now <laughs> <laughs> yeah what do you think you you still think it's a bad Movie night. <laughs> yeah, that that's when it when every time rentals returned. That that's the time code it's at <laughs> when it's returned to the blockbuster. <laughs> Where'd you get it? Damn Neil lent it to us. Took it right out from under his nose. You stole one of Damn Neil's pumps. Yes. That's great. <laughs> oh, How did you do it? Just walked in and took it. You must be furious. Way to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Way to go. Wait, I didn't do it right at all. Oh, damn, there's two. Let's go get the man a drink. Oh, yeah. Come on. Come on. When they come back from their little expedition with whatever it is they come back with, Swayze gets all of the attention, and I felt so, so I bad for Tark. And Swayze could have tried harder to, like... Yeah. He, he, like he, he's like, no, it wasn't just me. It's like, well, you could have said, it was Tark. <laughs> it was both of us. I did appreciate the slight attempt to be like, well, I didn't do it alone, but he could have pushed no. back a little more. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, to be fair, the, the guy, like, spends a lot of his time doing headstands on sand and (laughs) walking through the desert. I don't think he has a super highly developed social understanding of like the social contract. I mean, everyone's brain in this movie is medium rare to medium. (laughs) Not cooked all the way through, but they're pretty good. Which is tough considering how much they're in the sun. (laughs) Yeah, right. The movie makes the more noble but less interesting choice of where to make Tark turn, where to do the Tark turn. Tark turn. Because the Tark turn, I assumed he's so heartbroken that he goes to damn Neil and throws it all away, which would have been the more interesting but less noble choice. Yeah. <laughs> it would Again, this is a movie about well-adjusted people. <laughs> this movie is about very emotionally 
balanced people. Yeah, I'm glad that they just didn't do that because that is what what happens in so many movies is that is the love triangle. Yeah, I mean, more interesting by a nose. I'm not saying it would have been great storytelling. Like, they're, <laughs> sure. they're, it, it's yeah. a photo yeah. finish, but <laughs> a slightly more interesting than just being like, they don't like me anymore. I'm going to leave. <laughs> <I'm> gonna... <laughs> yeah, I love the middle schoolness of they don't like me no more. <laughs> yeah. So he fucks off to the cantina's heroin chic pop up <laughs> where they find yeah. him. Less Isley. <laughs> what happened to you? Oh, nothing, Ducks. He's all right. <laughs> Let's take him back to the farm. You know something? You're not so disgusting. Oh, you act tough. Oh, no, you don't make me puke. Thanks. Tark leaves camp. We see him fucking sticking Bindle over his shoulder, walking into the moonlight. And the next scene is Patrick <laughs> Swayze opening a door and being like, Tark? <laughs> <laughs> Truly no other thread to follow. There's nothing else the movie it could have It is really <laughs> incredible that we don't even have a scene in between the two of no. anything else. It's That's just- That's actually a really good point though, that this movie be decimating subplots oh, yeah. 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 Totally. they kind of go like here's a bunch of possible subplots we will follow none of them <laughs> yeah my master who i haven't seen in years you're going to become a peacemaker well i'll follow you as no you're dead <laughs> <laughs> well i guess i'll just do the thing that you said there seems to be this like big almost political machine like well, I mean, it's just the one bad guy, really. And he's really just after the one person that you're already <laughs> working for. Yeah. Uh, That's convenient. There's some interpersonal relationships, uh, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> We're working on like an aqueduct, but only kind of. They broke our desert mill. Oh, what? Surely we'll suffer and die without it. No, we'll go get another one. Yeah. The same <laughs> night. They we'll just go get night, another one yeah. tonight. They, Amazon Prime delivery. <laughs> the, the thing. Even the romantic subplot oh, is like... Oh, these two get together so much quicker than any other movie we watch. <laughs> it's a relief to have the mill working again. Do you think the tubing will hold? Yes. Blades aren't too tight. Are you sure? It's gonna be all right. They look at each other and are like, I'm looking to replace my husband. I'm looking to replace, <laughs> replace my, my wife. wife. Well, yeah, yeah. great. I mean, check it out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like usually when the two leads are kind of like forced together, it happens like in the third act. And like every time I'm like, well, this was inevitable. And this time, yeah, they get right <laughs> ahead of it. I'm like, oh, I guess this is destined to be. Otherwise, why would this happen so early in the movie? <laughs> yeah, right. But then they don't stay. They don't because they can't. Because again, they copied and pasted the script and they, they didn't know how. <laughs> well, in the original script. <laughs> they ran out of whiteout. <laughs> they, they, they set up so many moments for there to be subplots that they just go, no. <laughs> Which I guess is why this movie kind of feels a little bit like lacking because it only has an A plot and the A plot is the A plot for another movie told worse. It's movie light. Yeah. This movie. Yeah. It's a die, you know, if you're watching your movie calories, this is a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is me, Angry Andy, with your Act 3 announcement. 
Where we left off our intrepid heroes, Tark has been killed, and Jux has been kidnapped by Damnil's evil henchfolks. Swayze goes back to the farm and tells Kasha, It's me, I attract violence. He <laughs> shouts in a bit to explain why he's going to attack Damnil's fortress, a certain suicide, when she realizes she cannot Swayze him. <laughs> she nice. takes yes. him into the back room to give him his sword back for the mission. But just as she does, she pulls a classic Abbott and Costello, locking Swayze in the back room so that she can solo damn nil and get all of the XP and loot. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, the dog re-enters the movie yeah. and helps yeah. free Swayze from his non-GMO, organic, sustainably walled prison. <laughs> and we all know what that means. It's time for a greased up lock and load scene that has less oomph with all of the hot topic clothes that he has been wearing. Meanwhile, Kasha has been whiffing it. She thought that begging would work, but eh. She thought maybe like bribery would work, but uh. <laughs> Damn Dill has other ideas. He'll learn the secret of the secret water source to take for himself and then just kill both Jux and Kasha. Kasha plays like super sad to get close to him and produces a small shiv holding Damnil hostage so Jux can run free. After a few moments, Kasha is taken prisoner while a couple of dune goons are in hot pursuit <laughs> of Jux. Now, we have what may be simultaneously the coolest and clunkiest chase sequence ever committed to <laughs> yes. film. Yes! Yes! As Jux hijacks a sail car <laughs> and is then pursued by two other sail cars. <laughs> sail cars are exactly what you'd expect. And they seem to go the hot 15 miles per hour that you'd also expect. <laughs> which takes the wind out of their proverbial and also legitimate <laughs> sails of the chasing winds. After the kill team catches up, Budget Billy Zane and other goon are really excited to murder a child. But before they do, Swayze comes out of the desert ready for action. One goon is ready, but unfortunately, he has brought nunchucks to a dogfight. <laughs> Swayze and BBZ get into the sail cars and they have a joust, which is sweet, especially when Billy Zane 0.0 gets run through <laughs> and Swayze gets to say, I told you not to play with sharp objects. No. Swayze arrives at the end of the movie and Damdale gives <laughs> a lot of pomp and circumstance to the final showdown between Swayze and Show, where Swayze largely loses for, like, most of the fight. <laughs> Despite Swayze having seen the Show show before, the knee knife works again. <laughs> but Swayze has a Nerf secret shot knife. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yes? Oh, my God. Nice. And levels the playing field. When Damnil six uh, some other baddies on Swayze, Show beheads one of them. Because it's his fight, goddammit. You're the best competition I've ever had, showing tones. You talk too much, Swayze quips back before the inevitable penetration of sorts, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Damnil holds Kasha hostage 
but Swayze does a big trouble in Little China and throws a perfect headshot, freeing her. With Damnil dispatched, it's finally time for peace and serenity to come to the valley. It's time to build a city. And with all this peace, it's time for Swayze to move on. Hopefully he will come back, so he tells Jux. Swell big music that is reminiscent of bigger and better movies. <laughs> the fucking wind racer fight. <laughs> it, chase, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. The sound effect, the wobble of it, it sounded like in old sci-fi movies when they would do thunder with the the yeah, sheet yeah, of metal yeah, yeah, yeah. you know the like yeah it's um terrible <laughs> yes in but the best also way really fun but also i just think about when we were when we were recording the guardian angel episode in case he was talking about like get people out of cars, put them on anything else like a horse and i'm in and then and then we watch <laughs> sail cars and i go I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I dis like I've had I had so many emotions happening at the same time where I'm like, I'm so glad that they created this, but also I feel like they must have spent so much time and budget on it yes. that they yeah. missed doing other things because they covered the hell out of it and it isn't exciting. No. <laughs> is really stupid. Makes sense, but also all of the engineers were seemingly killed in the bomb drop. <laughs> it's people with the IQ of Tark being like, "Yeah, we have all this scrap metal. I guess we could just we could just kind of bend it." And, uh, and it's like, "What what were you doing in your past life, Tark?" And he's like, "Sound effects for an old timey radio show." <laughs> I was the thunder guy. <laughs> I was trying to put the thunder in Thunderdome. <laughs> yeah, right. I would have loved if we had seen the like the wind racers and the background was one of those strand beasts just like walking oh. across the desert at the same speed as yeah. these wind boop, racers. Boop, boop, boop. Maybe faster. I love that they didn't undercrank or anything to try to make it look more exciting. No. Yeah. You, you just see in real time how unexciting it is to be on these things. <laughs> But it doesn't take away from the awesomeness of the stabbing of the joust kill. No, I love that. That was sick. amazing. With the perfect quip at the end of it. Oh, yeah. That because also callback. Yeah, there's two call big callbacks in this scene. How he dies or in this scene, in this act. In the end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How he dies and the guy who tried to interfere before in show and, uh, and Swayze's standoff tries to intervene again <laughs> and he gets his head clear, chopped off. Because in the first fight, Fight in the and they're like a mock time battle when they're like circling each other. He he threatens to chop off his head. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think he's like if you the next person if you try to interfere again you'll lose your head. And then it, he does in the second fight and he does done be beheaded. Set up payoff. That's all Beautiful. we get. Plenty of payoff. Yeah, that's yeah one two one two punches over and over again. <laughs> you know it's not exciting boxing but it's fundamentals baby. <laughs> one two one two. It's the best competition I've ever had. No one is better than me. You talk too much. It is amazing that Swayze falls for the fucking knee knife. How did he fall for that? He saw that happen. It's tough, it's tough to block. 
How do you block a knee knife? <laughs> it's crazy. I did love his hidden hilt dagger too in his in his crazy future sword. I completely forgot about it until you mentioned it, Greg. The sword that he's like pops off. It's like, aha, I've got another <laughs> smaller one. Oh no. <laughs> he has another bladed object in the same hand. <laughs> it's great because it's like I already had one. Now I got a smaller one. He called that a knife. <laughs> this is a smaller smaller knife. I've heard this, the saying, um, it's hard to tell unless you're in a visual medium. That is a knife, is mine. (laughs) (laughs) One way in which this movie always delivers is the fighting. It was awesome. It was always good. I know, you know, when when he and Sho were battling both times, two time, two time, I loved it. The kicks are good. Everything's good. Well, everything is good except... At least at the beginning of this final showdown, it is shot like a three-camera sitcom. <laughs> they sure didn't get a lot of coverage on it. It felt like they shot it at a, like they're like, we'll just do a couple of masters and then uh, we'll move on, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just the climax. We it's don't the have... end of the day. You know, everyone wants to go home. We're in the desert. It's way too hot. Greg, you see all the B unit cinematographers got killed in the bombing so there's no one to do the insert shots or engineering it was the engineers and the b unit b yeah 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 Yeah. sad second unit directors were the first to go (laughs) they were food (laughs) i also really liked there was a moment where show kicks off like a rube goldberg machine type thing that like destroys a windmill and it was a complete non sequitur to the fight itself but I loved it and and, and (laughs) Damnell's just up there being like this has really gotten away from me the consequences of these actions are just ridiculous at this point I'm losing henchmen now I'm losing windmills what am I damn Neil getting out of this (laughs) (laughs) as these two behemoths are just tearing apart Mm, his this seems like a them problem (laughs) I I need to stop hiring assassins with um, vengeance as pay (laughs) you know I'll, I'll, I'll work for scale but I have to have in my contract that I get to fight these people on my terms. Sure, that sounds like a good yeah. deal. No, it wasn't. <laughs> nope. Yeah, bad deal, damn Neil. Pay their day rate. Just pay yeah, the day yeah, rate. Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. the moment where damn Neil's like, wait, what don't I like about Kacha's give water to everyone plan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love to hoard it, though. I love hoarding. <laughs> that's true. I love having everything <laughs> of a thing. This whole thing's gone too far. Let's put a stop to it now. Too late to stop it. I can't have you in the valley anymore. Let my son go and we'll too leave. Too late for that, too. You had your chance to go. Why didn't you take it? So what are you going to do? Murder us both like you murdered Tark? No. I'm not going to murder anyone. He is. Loved the scene, but... The whole business where Kasha comes to Damn Neil and show tries to argue for Jux back, then pulls a knife on Damn Neil, gets Jux to run, only for show to take the knife off her, which leads us into the wacky racers. Yeah. <laughs> that whole scene, it was cool. Like all the business, like like it sort of may had a sort of rhythm and logical sense to the heightening of the drama and then even a logical sense to when it would flatten the drama completely. (laughs) But by the end of it, 
all I think is like, wow, it sure took Swayze a long time to get dressed. Why are they doing this separately? (laughs) (laughs) Just 15 minutes of a mother like, I will die for my child or kill everyone in here. Get out of here, son. While Swayze was polishing that old cheese grater. Absolutely. One of the funniest things is having a lock and load sequence where you you have nothing to lock or load. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. It's basically a putting things in your pocket sequence. Yeah. <laughs> it's a sheath and unsheath sequence is what yeah, it is. Sheath- yeah, if there's no bandolier involved, it's not interesting. Yeah. yeah. Unless it was a sequence and I would love this. Of just him putting many different little knives like <laughs> on his person. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Or if it's him just sheathing and unsheathing the tiny knife inside the big sword <laughs> over oh, oh, <laughs> Yeah. A Russian doll sword yeah. just full just, of just, smaller, just smaller swords. Yeah. It's all spo- all the way down, just tinier swords. The infrastructure of that cannot be sound. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have any engineers. Oh, and the way as he's walking through the desert, that's sword is so tall it's so tall on his side that i'm like you are skinning your elbow with every step (laughs) slicing little pepperonis off himself with every stride his sword is sheathed the wrong way so it is pointing toward him i feel like there's a lot of accidental stabbing deaths in this world as evidenced (laughs) by the windracer joust and like all it would take for him like to fall off of like a sand dune at the wrong time and just impale through his body you would think the number one cause of death would be dehydration Actually, self-stabbing. <laughs> God, the, I mean, the movie kind of goes the way you think it's going yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it goes the way Shane goes. Exactly. It zigs when you think it's going to zig. Yeah. It zags when you think <laughs> yeah. it's going to zag. <laughs> There's just no reason for him to leave in the end That's, except yeah. storytelling cliches. Yeah, the yeah. script. Yeah. Yeah. The script said it. His character motivation is going against the script, which is a truly insane thing to say. Yep. If you've done anything in this movie, you have created a guy who at the beginning of the movie is going, the wasteland is my home. You're becoming a peacemaker, old friend. I'd never do that. I live on the wasteland. Peacemaker friend dies, goes to where peacemaker friend was supposed to be, gets everything he's ever wanted, and then goes, (laughs) nah, but the wasteland. (laughs) At the end of the movie, Shane leaves because one, he's probably going off to die, and two, he's revealed himself to be like, I'm not just this kindly stranger, I have this whole past, you never know who comes riding into your town. This is just like, no, I... It says right here, right off in the sunset. I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> Good luck, Jux. You, you thought you were gaining a father figure. You've actually lost, lost one. Yeah. You've actually <laughs> lost two. Yeah, yeah, and like, uh, it's like you said, Casey, uh, the movie has to remind you that I know what you think the arc of this movie is, but it is a story of vengeance. Because like when he kills Sho, he's like, oh, but why? Why? What? What? And he's like, remember an old man in a tavern? Even Sho was like, shit, that's what this was all about? <laughs> I remember the ending the least, which is funny because it's the most recent thing I would have seen. Right, right, right. That's how how it works. I'm struggling to remember like their goodbye or anything. It's because it's so vanilla. Jux is like, when are you going to teach me how to fight? And he's like, if you don't want no part of this, Jux. I also hate this line with a burning passion. You don't want to be like me. You want to be like Jux. He does end with... 
he promises oh, to yeah. come back when, when it's, it's time. time. It's like, well, why don't you just stay? Why, why isn't the time now? Like, <laughs> yeah, bro, you can take a vacation. I know. <laughs> yeah, that you don't want to be me. You want to be Juck's line. That's the wettest part of the movie. They say <laughs> yeah. it right, right for the very end. <laughs> I want to be like you and my dad. No, no, you don't. want to be like jucks <laughs> it's an everlasting desert but you can see it fading fast you got secret <laughs> underground water and you're gonna make it last teach your apocalyptic neighbors irrigation and how to farm but the local autocrats are trying to do you harm are you ripping off the shade <laughs> or is it my max this time <laughs> Got some Swayze on the brain, and still Dawn is perfectly fine. <laughs> Rip off report card. <laughs> Thank you, Casey, for the steely Dawn inspiration. It only felt right. <laughs> the Steel Dawn Rip Off Report Card is brought to you by. Whatever material post-apocalyptic leather is made of. <laughs> Although we all live in the sweaty desert and have lost all livestock animals, the afterworld wasteland still has more folks dressed exclusively in tanned and dried out skin than a Boca Raton nude beach. Post-apocalyptic leather, it's probably people. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, my report card covers the star of Steel Dawn, the lates, the greats, the Patty Swates. A man who spent his too short life shirtless Tai Chiing into our hearts and becoming a certified cinematic icon. And it wasn't until considering him as a ripoff report card topic that it hit me how much I took away from the sway. An unproblematic, at least as far as I know, and I'm not listening, la 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 la, leading man <laughs> teaching me lessons in unproblematic masculinity. Johnny Castle taught me you could dance and still be tough. John Dalton taught me you could be tough and still be nice. And Bodhi taught me it's not tragic to die doing what you love, especially if you're doing it while being totally gay bones with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Just the movies in general. Dirty Dancing portrayed an undemonized abortion. Tu Wong Fu portrayed humanized drag performers. And Ghost has the only movie ghost rules that ever made any sense to me. You think about touching it a lot and you can touch it. Am I saying it's brilliant? No, I'm just saying it makes sense. It makes more sense than any other ghost. Headlining these out-of-nowhere box office knockouts earned him the moniker King of Sleepers for a time in the biz. I mean, who could have guesstimated movies about sexy arts and crafts poltergeists and teaching dance to cornerless babies in the Catskills would be the biggest box office draws of their respective years? Seriously, Dirty Dancing was the first film to sell over a million home video copies, while Ghost became the highest-grossing movie of 1990 breaking home video rental records. But that was Patrick Swayze. The contrast to and perfect embodiment of the late 80s movie star. That rare center of the Venn diagram between the philosophically sensitive charisma-leaking film performer with an eye for unique work and the baby oil doing your own kung fu stunting Chippendales dancer, we want to show us just how much pain don't hurt. <laughs> And he wasn't even just a film and dance icon. Na, 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 na. Man was a music icon. 
And sure, his most popular song was She's Like the Wind, which was written by Stacey Weidlitz for Grand View USA, a 1984 film in which Swayze had a small role as a demolition derby driver, but for whatever reason wasn't in that movie and ended up on the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, peaking at number three on the Billboard Hot 100. And being played in countless grocery stores forever. (laughs) But would you believe me if I told you Patrick Swayze was a hip-hop icon? What? Maybe it's just for having a last name with two syllables that rhyme with the word crazy. (laughs) But Patrick Swayze has been referenced in rap music since the late 80s by just about everyone you can think of. Cool G rap on Marley Marl's The Symphony Part 2 back in 1991, referring to his role in the movie Roadhouse, said, reach for the pistol and you're crazy. Try to blast and I'll be swinging that ass like Patrick Swayze. (laughs) In the 90s, his name was so ubiquitous in rap music, it became slang. Hmm. In a reference to his superstar movie, Ghost, the word Swayze started to take on a life in its own, meaning to ghost, to leave, to get out of here, to be gone. We drop the microphone, then we Swayze, said the alcoholics. EPMD put Swayze references in three of their songs from the 1992 album Business Never Personal. You like the Wu-Tang Clan, do you? Well, Method Man on the song Bring the Pain says, I'm sick, insane, crazy, driving Miss Daisy. Out her fucking mind, now I got mine, I'm Swayze. (laughs) Also from Wu-Tang, Red Man on 1992's A Day of Superman Lover. As big as mine, yo, this bitch must be crazy. So I threw my suit on and I was Swayze. You get the idea. Crazy, Swayze, they're out of here. One of the greatest rappers of all time, Notorious B.I.G., referenced him in three separate songs. (laughs) My favorite off of Runnin', Dying to Live from 1994. That's why I bust back, it don't phase me. When he dropped, take his Glock, and I'm Swayze. Same idea, but it was rhymed with phase me. And, <laughs> and, and frankly, I'm done stiffly quoting rap lyrics. But don't think of Patrick Swayze just as a, I don't know, a prop of hip hop. No, no, no. He deserves props as well. Because according to a 2005 article on allhiphop.com, the 53-year-old actor had said he had begun experimenting with, quote, rap rhythms as an emotional undercurrent for ballads and unfortunately died before any of this material could surface. So Patrick Swayze, rest in power, film, dance, and hip-hop icon taken from us either way too soon or, depending on your opinions, of over-the-hill white actors attempting to rap at exactly the right time. And that has been a very Swayze Steel Dawn rip-off report card. Yo, stop at the deli. The theater's overpriced. You got the backpack? Gonna back it up nice. Don't want security to get suspicious. Mr. Pib and Red Vines equals crazy delicious. You're reaching my pocket. Pull out some dough. Girl acted like she'd never seen a 10 before. It's all about the Hamiltons, baby. Throw the snacks in the bag and I'm ghost like Swayze. Swayze, Swayze, Swayze. <laughs> it's the ripoff what report card. It's the ripoff what, what? report card. Ripoff report oh. card. Damn, yes. they, that was in that too. It was in oh that. Oh my That's god! When, I, when you said it, I was oh. like, "Wait, no, I actually know this." Oh from my the god! The whitest rap possible. We as a podcast should not rap. 
<laughs> yeah, in the last 15 minutes, we got so much whiter. <laughs> and on and on and on. We could keep on talking about Steel Dawn, but because I'm feeling a little lazy, <laughs> why don't you all give me your final thoughts and then pull a Swayze. <laughs> I would like to end my final thought with a couple more highlights from the Wikipedia article about uh, his marriage to Lisa Nimi. Uh, Shortly after they wed, the couple moved to New York to pursue their dance careers until the late 70s. Then they relocated to Los Angeles. In addition to dancing and filmmaking, they ran a construction business and raised horses together. The Swayze's had no children. In 1985, they began living on a five-acre homestead near the Angeles National Forest, along with a menagerie of dogs, prized Arabian horses, and rodeo cattle. What? Yep. Their love was true, and I aspired to that. <laughs> On the heels of that, my final thought is that Patrick Swayze and Lisa Nimi's celebrity couple name is Pizza Swimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. But I like this movie. <laughs> Anakin likes this movie. Anakin likes it. Specifically. So do I. Oh, also, nice. the pod racing, I mean. It, like, he, how could he not like it? Right. Yeah. Pod racing. Now, yeah, yeah. But what does Watto think? <laughs> Watto thinks that Sebulba always wins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you want Watto to win? <laughs> do you want Sebulba to win? Nice. Sebulba, nice. very good. <laughs> <laughs> You want to end of the podcast? <laughs> you want to end of the podcast? Yeah, I want to end of the podcast. Not very funny. Not. <laughs> Greg's final thought, not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I ended the podcast. <laughs> I love this. Thank you so much to our teacher, Philip Marlowe, Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra, and Gabriella Tessitore of Scout Harris for our theme music, Justin Ferrero of the Rizzos for our bed music, and Shear for our logo, and the entire Video High crew, Greg Hansen, Casey Regan, Jamie Kennedy, and me, Josh Roth. On our next episode, we break out the sunscreen and s'mores for Summer Camp Nightmare. What starts out as a game of campers becoming counselors for a day turns into a revolutionary nightmare. Based on the novel The Butterfly Revolution, this one might actually be a good movie? Tune in to find out. Listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, God, this movie is so threadbare. (laughs) It, there's nothing truly nothing yeah. it's all leather so it has to be threadbare <laughs> simple equations podcast network